Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network alongside the scout Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock. Don't forget to subscribe to this show on all of your favorite podcast apps. Tell a friend, tell three friends about Locked On NFL. Let them know that their team is covered no matter the professional sport right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find me on Twitter at Peacock. You can follow Matt at Williamson NFL. Since there's a lot less commuting going on these days, you can let your smart speaker know to play podcast Locked On NFL. On today's program, we are continuing our division-by-division looks at post-free agency, how teams improved, how teams did not improve, the AFC South coming up today. But Matt, we have something a little bit interesting And I like this statistic a lot because it tells more of a complete story about how the quarterbacks around the NFL looked in 2019. Do you want to give us an overview of of how this came about and what we're looking at here with your adjusted completion percentage numbers? Yeah, and a lot of it stemmed from Jameis Winston's current situation. And I don't want to say that I'm a Winston defender, but one thing I always say about him is, he's being asked to make more difficult downfield throws than most quarterbacks in the league. So I did a search, and I bet this exists somewhere else. I just wanted to figure out if I could figure out a combination of a quarterback's accuracy percentage basically matched up with their degree of difficulty. And I couldn't find it anywhere, so I figured, heck, it's not that hard. I mean, I'm not an analytics guy, but I can multiply two times two, so... What I did was I grabbed every quarterback that threw a pass last year and I found their completion percentages. That's very easy to do. And I multiplied it by their average yards per attempt, their air yards per attempt, not average yards per attempt, air yards per attempt, which is if if your target is 10 yards downfield, that's a 10-yard air yard throw. If he's 30 yards on field, it's 30 yards. You know what I'm saying? So, right. so if it's a 95-yard yeah. touchdown, but it was a dump-off pass, it's zero air yards if he caught it at the line at the uh, line of scrimmage right. and then scampered 95 yards. The quarterback's not getting credit for those air yards. Right. It wasn't a difficult throw. It wasn't a downfield throw. So I want to know where his average target was, and I multiplied that by completion percentage. And – this doesn't mean that the guys at the top of the list are great quarterbacks and the guys at the bottom of the list aren't. A lot of it's just uh, you know, putting it into, a, uh, into account. Like, for example, the Saints fared very poorly in this last year. Do I think that Drew Brees is not an accurate quarterback or is an overrated passer? Absolutely not. They just don't throw downfield that much. So take that completion percentage that is outstanding, and this goes for Bridgewater too, and realize it's a, not as hard to throw as some of these other guys. So if you want, I just I wanted to highlight some of the guys at the top and the bottom. Absolutely, yeah. The number one guy that jumps out here, well, Taysom Hill has the highest when you adjust this, but right. he only attempted, what, six passes? Yeah, I, I did two different ranks of them. And again, I am no mathematician, but if you threw under 200 passes, I didn't include you in the leaders and Taysom Hill threw six passes, completed five of the, or completed three of them and they were downfield. So good for him, but that's six rows. I don't really want to, I don't take that with much. And people think they saw enough. Sorry to interrupt. People think they saw enough of Taysom Hill that they think he's going to be a starting quarterback somewhere. And, you know, maybe he's got a nice arm, but how do you even know what you have in Taysom Hill as a pure passer? 
Right. I mean, to say he's going to drop back and throw the ball 500 times a season, I think is crazy. The other guy I thought was noteworthy that didn't, well, there's two that didn't qualify here as 200 throws or less. Nick Foles was basically the best of the group behind Hills. So it's not like he didn't do anything. I mean, he, he his degree of difficulty and his completion percentage were both combined to be pretty impressive. Um, another one to mention, I said Bridgewater, he was near the bottom, and that's what the Saints asked them. And the other one that was near the bottom, which is striking to me, was Mariota. And why I bring that up is Tannehill's near the very top of the guys that qualify with at least 200 attempts. That's a great point. Yeah, running the same offense, and Tannehill looks like a monster when you look at his air yards plus his 70 percent completion percentage running the same offense Mariota uh just really bad like below Bridgewater below the Colt McCoys of the world you know check down Charlie's of the world so that's that's not a good look for Mariota making plays down the field no so here's where the here's some telling things is there were two passers that averaged over 10 air yards per attempt that was Matthew Stafford and Winston and they ended up first Stafford by a pretty decent margin and Winston was third on this list with Tannehill in between there he had his were good in both phases too but only two drove the ball downfield over 10 yards per pass so again I'm not defending Winston but he ended up third on this metric and that's how you stay in games after throwing 30 touchdowns you know but that's why I didn't pull you after 24th intercept not touchdowns I'm sorry that's why you weren't pulled after your 24th interception because you're doing difficult things on a play-by-play basis. And yeah, big plays were still happening. He completed 60% of his passes, averaging over 10 yards, uh, air yards per attempt there. And obviously this is counting all incompletions, including interceptions the same. So this really helps the guys that throw down the field might throw more picks and really hurts the quarterbacks that check it down a lot. And their wide receivers do a lot after the catch. Yes. So these were the leaders in order. Stafford was one, and I've been saying for a long time. Again, it was only eight games and 291 throws for him, but I thought he came off his best year last year, and I hope his back is okay. And, I mean, I I think people don't appreciate how well Matthew Stafford played last year. But here's the top guys. Stafford, Tannehill, Winston, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Philip Rivers, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Aaron Rodgers are the top 10. And if you filter this through turnovers, then Stafford even separates himself further from Winston and from, well, not really from Tannehill or Russell Wilson, Mm -hmm. the rest of them, but it really hurts Winston. But it really even pushes Stafford out there even further, shows you what kind of a year Stafford was having. Yeah, absolutely. Um I, I threw a lot of this out on Twitter, but if anyone wants to ask what their favorite quarterback was, just shoot me a line. But some of the young guys, you know, Josh Allen was 12. I thought that was impressive. Sam Darnold was 15. Both those guys throw deep a lot. Haskins was only 18. I expected him to be worse. Kyle Allen with the Panthers, 17. Expected him to be worse. So some of the bottom of the list, some of these absolutely pass the eyeball test, and some of them are just because they're not driving the ball downfield very much. But here are my losers in this category. Flacco was last. Okay. I mean, that's why I'm doing this. 
He's the example of what exactly not to. Case Keenum did very little well with the Redskins. He was second to last. Minshew was at the bottom at 31st overall. Your boy Jimmy was 30. Brady was 29. Derek Carr was 28. Drew Brees was 27. Kyler Murray was 26. And the common thing with those guys is Arizona couldn't protect, and they didn't throw the ball downfield very much. So a lot of these guys have very short average distance to target. Breeze is at 6.42. Carr is at 6.54. Garoppolo is at 6.53. So I think you can take that two ways in that, well, if I trusted my quarterback to throw deep more, wouldn't I? And I think there's some of that here and some of it's protection related, like I mentioned with Arizona. But with the Saints and the Niners, I just think, hey, we have a good thing going. We're an after-the-catch type offense. This is a quick-hitting, accurate quarterback. Let's play to his strengths. Right, yeah, and a lot of yardage on the 49ers offense came after the catch. Kyle Shanahan really good at scheming guys open in space, getting them moving after the catch. And Jimmy Garoppolo, lightning release, attack the middle of the field, completing at a high percentage, 69%. It brings me to the question of if you were to take this statistic a little bit further, and we've got to get to the AFC South free agent review, but I have some questions, some context, maybe tweaks to this formula, or do we want to keep it simple and isolated? One of the things that jumps out to me, would you weight the air yards and the completion percentage differently, and how would that shuffle the outcome? For example, uh, you brought up Gardner Minshew's at 31, Garoppolo at 30, and actually Tom Brady right at 29, right in front of Garoppolo. So very similar there, even though it was uh, got, got it was different numbers that got them there. Uh, mm-hmm. 9% higher completion percentage for Jimmy Garoppolo. But Garoppolo completed almost 70% of his passes, but had a low air yards per attempt, 6.53. Then you have someone like, and actually Brady's a good one. Brady and, and Garoppolo, since they're back-to-back. And then Brady, they're very different, almost right. 10% lower completion percentage, but a full yard more air yards per attempt. How would you weight the air yards versus the completion percentage? Would you rather have a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo, who is completing 69% of his passes and not getting as much done down the field or someone like, you know, Jamin, James Winston, who obviously there's interceptions to go with it, but he's chucking it down the field like crazy. Yeah. And I don't have that answer. I mean, my goal, it's a great question. And, and I'd love anytime I do these things. And it, it reminds me of my turnover percentage chart that I came up with and just kept expanding it. That uh, that's what the fun part is. It brings new questions, you know, which maybe one of them should be 60% and one should be 40% of the grade, you know, and, and that would take more research, but I hear you. I mean, my goal was to figure out who's, you know, who's completing passes in terms of degree of difficulty. And I think we found that out, but that doesn't mean just because you're at the top of the list, you had a better year than the bottom of the list. I mean, there's a lot of context here as there is in all charts and numbers. I see what you mean. Yeah. You're not, you're, this is just uh, an isolation. So you're, you're isolating this one thing to put a little bit of uh, context into just completion percentage. And and that makes sense. I like that a lot. Like Josh Allen is, is the complete opposite end of the spectrum from Garoppolo 58% completion percentage, but 9.25, like almost three yards uh, per air, three air yards per attempt more than Garoppolo. So you can't really operate an offense any differently than Josh Allen and Jimmy Garoppolo did both quarterbacks won a lot of games for their teams. And so yeah, that's a great example. And Allen's a good example. Now that you brought that up too, because he throws deep a lot, 
but he's bad at it. Like his deep completion percentage was really poor, but he got a lot better in his second season with the timing and rhythm short to intermediate stuff. So you would think if you're, I mean, you maybe the next step is divide it into short, medium, deep, or something like that too, you know, to see where you're most effective, where you're, you know, compared to your peers that way. Cause you would think just on the surface, Allen's throwing bombs left and right. That's going to help him. But he wasn't completing them. One other note here when I'm looking at this list that jumps out at me is how high completion percentages have come in the NFL. Like, rare, it used to be 60%. You're a pretty darn good, accurate thrower. Now you have to be at 60% because I think there was three full-time starters that were below 60% completion. Josh Allen is one. Baker Mayfield, surprisingly, was right around 59, I think. He is at 59, and Haskins is at 58. Yes. Uh, And Kyler Murray, or Andy Dalton was at 59, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) that were below 60 of guys that qualified to 200 or more passes. I would love to see what these numbers are from 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Some teams made some big-armed quarterbacks. They were completing 55. You know, Some of the better quarterbacks in the league were 57% completion percentage, but they were chucking it downfield a little bit more. That would be interesting to see uh, as a league, as a whole, how these numbers look different. A lot of quarterbacks 25 years ago look closer to what Josh Allen looks like right now. I would think so, absolutely. And the interceptions were higher back then, too. Uh, Defensive backs had some more leeway. The quarterbacks got hit more. There's a lot of factors at play. And there was also three of these guys that threw 200 or more passes that had over a 70, including Breeze's unbelievable 74.3. But Breeze's average depth of target was only 6.42, which is at the very bottom of, of all these guys qualifying. Like he's, and that says a lot about who he is at this point. Like, I mean, they don't ask him to make a ton of arm strength throws. Yeah, who he is, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. From that same Saints offense is the only one lower. I think six point one eight. There's a couple, maybe Luke Falk is way down there five. Yeah, I mean a couple of guys that don't really matter. But But for players that started a stretch of games, that's uh, it's a pretty low number. Garoppolo's pretty low as well for depth of target. So yeah, you can really get a, a a really quick view of what these offenses look like. And some really good offenses. Obviously, the New Orleans Saints is one of the best offenses in the league low depth of target. So they're getting the ball out quickly. They're protecting their quarterback. They're letting their playmakers run with the ball. Probably a lot of targets to running backs as well. Tight ends. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of these are like Tannehill had a lot of success off play action, but I'm not going to ding them for that. I mean, I'm not going to take that that step further. You're still completing the pass downfield and putting it where it needs to be for your receiver to haul it in at a difficult distance from the goal, you know, from the line of scrimmage. So I mean, obviously, there's some guys at the top you'd expect, Mahomes, Lamar, Dak, Wilson. But I think Stafford needs to be appreciated a little bit more. And I think Winston needs to at least be recognized that he's being asked to do some difficult things. Should we get to the AFC South here, Matt? Or do you have any more takeaways from this list? This is a really interesting list. I could kind of get deeper and deeper into this list. The more I look at it, the more stuff jumps out to me. But we do need to uh, get to the AFC South and have a little bit of time there. So... Um, yeah, and if anyone has a Twitter Thursday question about the list, let me know, and I'll put it in better context for you. Yeah, absolutely. Your specific quarterback or how uh, some quarterbacks rate with each other and our takeaways there, absolutely. And by the way, just look, one more takeaway from me on this. Baker Mayfield right there with Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, those yeah. numbers look a little bit too similar to me. Baker Mayfield, 
I got to see a big step up from him this year. Um, Trubisky, too. I mean, he was disappointing, but I think there was a lot more expected of Baker Mayfield in that offense with all those weapons, below 60% completion percentage. And it wasn't because he was necessarily chucking the ball deep down the field, although, you know, eight, just under eight and a half yards, air yards per attempt is not bad. Got to see more from that Browns offense. Yeah, you're right. And it's funny because I wonder if somebody smarter than me in the math world could figure out that being in the middle might not be so great because just the eyeball test here from 17 Mm. to 24 is Kyle Allen, Dwayne Haskins, Mayfield, Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, Daniel Jones, Goff, Brissett, Andy Dalton. You know, like maybe it's not awful to be quote at the bottom because you're, you know, doing what you do well, where these guys in the middle in that 17 to 24 range don't really pass the sniff test of had a good year. That is a great point. Brady, Garoppolo, uh, Drew Brees. Carr had a good year. Carr, yeah. And then yeah. the middle is a lot uglier, and then there's some some better quarterbacks at the top, but also there's some asterisks there when you see someone like Jameis Winston and the numbers sure. that, that went along with his air yards and his pretty decent completion percentage. He just completed too many to the other team as well. Not too. <laughs> All right, let's talk AFC South. Um, actually, we've got a couple of minutes here. Let, let's get one team in. We'll break and then we'll finish up the division. I think there's a team that uh, let's get the bad news out of the way for. Actually, there's. I think we might have some. We might crush a couple teams here. Uh, there's a team that you love to kill, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Apologize to Duval County for what Matt Williamson is about to say about right. your football team. Um, but the Jacksonville Jaguars, and look, they've got a bunch of draft picks. This thing can go in a lot of directions. I agree with you about how questionable things have been for Jacksonville in, uh, in in the recent past, but you have all these draft picks. Let's get it right from here forward. They'll be in good shape. They have franchise-tagged Yannick Ngakwe. Potential trade talks still happening there. i got a feeling he's not going to be on the Jaguars this year. Uh, linebacker Joe Schobert signed for five years, $53.75 million dollars. Darquez Denard, uh, Denard, no, Denard did not end up signing, correct? He he signed, and then that was one of the Brocker situations where it didn't go through. Yes, so he's not actually signed, still out there. And then uh, uh, offensive lineman Tyler Shatley, one-year minor contract. They traded away Calais Campbell for a fifth-round draft pick. Uh, Marcel Darius is gone, still out there on the market. Quarterback Nick Foles traded to the Bears, and cornerback A.J. Bouye traded to the Broncos. Yeah, I've just realized I'm probably not going to say a lot of positive things about this division in general. And I think the Jags are the worst organization in the league. They would be my chip. If I had to put a chip down of who was picking first overall next year, it would be Jacksonville. I don't like the way they're organized. Obviously, they've accumulated picks, though. I mean, so the best is yet to come for their offseason. So let's be realistic with that. But they need everything. Um, I mean, you sign guys like Tyler Eifert and Joe Schobert. Like, those are big need areas for them. But you really don't want to put a five-year, $53 million contract towards Joe Schobert and when you have so many other areas of concern. I mean, I know their linebacker play was really poor. To their credit... I think dumping foals off the books is a win, and I'll say that's a negative for the Bears. But they are a much worse football team, in my opinion, as, as, as in terms of who they're going to trot out there. And the future, 
is, uh, I mean, I am not a believer in Minshew. I'm fine with getting rid of Foles, like I said, but putting all your eggs in the Minshew basket, you'll learn a lot about them. I just don't think you're going to like what you learn. I agree with you about the Foles trade. That was absolutely their best move that they were able to yeah. get out from under that contract. I think it was fantastic. I think that's the way to go into this season with Gardner Minshew. Let him most likely prove that he's maybe more of a high-end backup than he is a, a starter for your football team. Probably lose a lot of games. I mean, would you put money, of all the 32 teams, I would probably bet on the Jaguars being the, getting the number one pick in the draft next year? I would as it stands right now on yeah. April Fool's Day. That's my pick. Yeah. But that could be a good thing. Like that could be the turning You're point right. this offseason with a ton of draft picks, build a foundation, protect your future quarterback, build that defense back up because it's completely gone from the the monster defense we saw a few years ago that carried the team in the Bortles era. Get a good quarterback, Jacksonville, finally. And maybe losing a bunch of games this year isn't the worst thing for you. Find a direction of the franchise. Maybe even get lucky and Minshew is the guy. I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't have to squint too hard to say this offseason was the beginning of the beginning of something. You know, if you end up with Trevor Lawrence or the dude from Ohio State with the second or third pick and you have all this youth, okay, you know, I mean, I, 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 will, be, I will sing a different tune if that's the way things go, especially if they hit on a lot of draft picks this year, which is possible. Three more teams to go in the AFC South. We've got Texans, Titans, and Colts coming up. The Houston Texans. We've talked about the way things have gone for Jacksonville. Not an ideal situation there. They've got to clean some things up organizationally so players want to stay and play for the Jaguars because that's a bad situation, too, if everyone just wants to leave town. And the Houston Texans are on the verge of having that same situation. Bill O'Brien seems like it's a rudderless ship right now with Bill O'Brien in charge of everything, maybe too much on his plate. One of the worst trades we've seen in a while, trading away DeAndre Hopkins, they also lost defensive lineman DJ Reader and cornerback Jonathan Joseph. But the big takeaway here with this offseason was that DeAndre Hopkins trade. They did get back David Johnson. They signed Bradley Roby to a three-year contract at cornerback. Their new wide receiver replacement for Hopkins is veteran Randall Cobb. Three years, $27 million, which kind of makes that deal even worse, in my opinion. Um, Kaimi Fairbairn re-signed four years as a kicker. They got Darren Fells re-signed, and they got backup quarterback A.J. McCarron Resigned. Your thoughts, Matt, Houston Texans. Yeah, let's take the awful trade out of it for a second, just for fun. I would probably give their offseason that move aside a C or a C minus. You know, they're at least addressing the secondary with guys like Gaines and Roby and Eric Murray. So they're at least trying to add something to a really bad secondary. And frankly, I think Randall Cobb played okay last year. That doesn't break my heart. McCarron doesn't move the needle one way or the other. And so in reality, they didn't do a whole heck of a lot outside of that trade. I think it was just still an awful trade. I mean, take it's almost like the full situation. Taking on Der David Johnson's contract is a net loss, in my opinion, let alone costing you Hopkins in the process. And yes, you did gain some picks that you absolutely need. You're very short on picks and that's fine, but you just didn't get much for Hopkins, especially when you look at, you know, the, the digs to Buffalo deal. And it screams like you've mentioned, you know, that O'Brien is not a GM and he's playing the role. You know, he played it. You saw a GM played on, on TV type of deal. And <laughs> I'd give him credit. They win the division almost every year, sometimes with some 
dreadful pre-Watson quarterback. So I don't know that O'Brien doesn't know what he's doing or anything like that, but somebody else needs to be in charge of the moves. And just looking at the roster on a spreadsheet is one thing, but then you have your star quarterback, which is the reason a lot of these wins have piled up recently, is unhappy. And now he potentially might want out. That's the worst part of this whole thing. Just, you know, yeah. even more than just what the, the roster is in black and white. $14.2 million they got to pay David Johnson. He, I agree, was a net, was a loss. So if you're talking with the trade, if, if the Cardinals call you and they say, hey, we want to trade for DeAndre Hopkins, you say, okay, we'll take a first round pick. And they say, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll send you a first and David Johnson. And you're like, okay, we'll take David Johnson, but we need another first round pick, right? Like He's yeah, a negative right, right. in that trade and they acted like he was a, a big positive. So that, that was the big, that was the big missing element of that deal for Bill O'Brien. Thinking that David Johnson had value when he should have been a, a negative, and and that's really how it works out. We'll see what David Johnson becomes, and it's it's rough for David Johnson because now he's getting crushed in this whole deal, and it's like it's not his fault that somebody overvalued <laughs> what what he is, right? And so much resources have been put into the running back position and trading for the easiest position to find in the draft instead of trading for um, Duke Johnson last year. Like, just draft a third-round running back, and you're good. Right, right. Like, you're trading all yeah. this stuff for running backs that it's, like, it completely unnecessary, and you're getting not good production out of the position still anyway. So, uh, anyway, I think we can move on from the Houston Texans. I still expect them to be a decent football team, but they're yeah. on the cusp of some things kind of falling apart there, and that could get ugly. And we didn't mention DJ Reader moved on. I mean, J.J. Watt better stay healthy. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, and Watt is the heart and soul of that defense. Watson on offense. Either one of those goes south, you got some problems. Yeah, then you're talking top five pick type of team, maybe. Indianapolis Colts have been busy. They've added a couple of cornerbacks this week. They've added what three cornerbacks? How many cornerbacks have they added? Uh, the Seer, Rhodes, and Carey. Yeah, so three cornerbacks. Obviously, the big move for the Indianapolis Colts this offseason was the trade for DeForest Buckner. They signed, they re-signed Anthony Costanzo, which was huge for them, two years, $33 million, and brought in Phillip Rivers, one year, $25 million contract. They did lose tight end Eric Ebron, Devin Funches to the Packers, uh, edge rusher Jabal Sheard, and safety Clayton Gathers. Um, they also uh, lost that 13 overall pick to the 49ers in the DeForest sure. Buckner trade, but they had cap space, they had draft picks, and they put them all to use. Well, Buckner makes you a better defense. I mean, I think there's no qualms around about that. There's very few Chris Jones, DeForest, Buckner, interior body types that are that disruptive. They don't grow on trees. You know what you're getting. So I don't mind that move for what looks like an ascending team. You mentioned the cornerback situation. I had a good talk as a guest on Locked on Colts about Hey, that's a good reclamation project. You know, Desir, um, Carey, and especially Rhodes had a little bit of pedigree to them. If one of those three hits for you and is a suitable player, it's worth it. You had a lot of cap space to begin with. That's a valuable position. You still could draft a corner at the end of round two or something like that, too. Um, but I'm not doing – I know a lot of people are talking about the Colts. Like, they're the third best team in the AFC. They're the, the obvious – um, leaders in the clubhouse to win this division. And I'm going to say, yes, Rivers is better than last year's version of Brissett, but I don't think Rivers played well last year. And I'm not 100% on board that, boy, they're going to be really good at the quarterback position. That's the question. Uh, an, yeah. Another year older for Phillip Rivers, new offense, 
how much better does he make that football team over Jacoby Brissett? And that's going to be, whatever that answer is, is how good the Indianapolis Colts are going to be this year, right? But they still have a couple of second-round picks. They added a really good player inside, so they've made some other improvements, and I don't disagree that they could be the third-best team in the NFC, but it's the quarterback position that's going to be. That one decision is going to make the biggest difference on that roster, potentially, and if it doesn't make a big difference uh, on that team, then maybe all these moves won't net the result that they are expecting. Right, right. And I, I think it's favorable that he has that relationship with Frank Reich and should be very well protected. But their weaponry isn't great, especially when Hilton's out. And to me, that was something he kind of, you might have given up Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb to get the Forrest Buckner. You know what I mean? Like they needed another right. weapon bad last year. And that might come in the second round or a trade up, but it's that would be a rookie nonetheless. Um, I was shocked they weren't a little more aggressive with an Emmanuel Sanders or something like that. But um, I just tend to think, I, I'm not saying Rivers is done, but I think he might be close. I didn't like how he played at all last year. The DeForest Buckner move, when you consider how much money they paid him, 20, $21 million a, deal, a year for a, a defensive tackle and giving up a nice premium draft pick, right? That's That's a lot to give up. So, you could look back a few years from now and be like, man, that was a lot to give up for just a really good player, not an, a great, great player. That's possible. Yeah, I mean, I think, as you know better than anyone, I think he's ascending. I think he is a superstar that a lot of people didn't realize even last year, the year before, how good he was. And he's worth the 13th all day, where very few are. I mean, very few am I giving up the 13th and giving them $84 million. I mean, there aren't many Khalil-type guys in that neighborhood. But I think Buckner's on the fringe of that. We've got to get to the Tennessee Titans here, and I will say that the Colts are the only team in the division that I feel clearly got better this offseason. So that's one thing that's going for right. them for sure, and they were already very competitive in that division, and you know it was a three-headed monster at the top of that division. It could go any way again, I think, in 2020. The Titans franchise tagged Derrick Henry, they re-signed Ryan Tannehill to a mega contract, $118 million over four years, 62 of that guaranteed. They re-signed Dennis Kelly at tackle, and they brought in edge rusher Vic Beasley on a one-year contract, and then a whole bunch of losses. Marcus Mariota moved on. Jack Conklin goes from Tennessee to Cleveland. Logan Ryan gone. They cut Cameron Wake, Delaney Walker, running back Deion Lewis, and they traded away defensive lineman Jarrell Casey, for peanuts, that was just a cost-cutting move. So I, I I think it's pretty obvious the Titans got worse. I think it's very obvious. And I do give them credit. I think they handled the Tannehill-Henry situation properly. I would have extended Tannehill. Money aside, quarterback money is Monopoly money. I mean, I'm not going to uh, bust them for a couple million here and there because that's what the quarterback market is. And I would have franchised Henry. And I'd run him into the ground and I'd send him on his way after this year. So I would have done those things exactly the same. But to your point, they're not better. I mean, Dennis Kelly is fine, but he isn't Jack Conklin, especially in a run-first offense. We hadn't mentioned Logan Ryan, who's still floating around out there, but I don't think he's going to be a Titan. Minus Jarrell Casey. I don't think Vic Beasley is an upgrade at the edge spot, and that was a real area of weakness. I mean, maybe it's a lateral move, maybe it's a slight upgrade, but I don't think he's the answer, especially if you take Casey out of the mix in the interior. So 
where are they better? There's nowhere they're better. I mean, they they kind of held serve, if not lost that point, but they're not better. All right, out of time here, Matt. We got to go. That is the AFC South. We'll continue with the NFC South. Then we will hit the teams in the West. We've got a Twitter Thursday tomorrow. NFL draft coverage continues. Network-wide mock draft special coming up. We've got you covered all off-season long, every day, right here, Locked On NFL.